to my first dungeon, the tabletop role-playing podcast where we put first-time game masters through their paces as we build and run their very first one-shot, and then circle back around to discuss what went right, what went wrong, and how they can make their games even better. So many players want to take their turn running a game, but are thwarted by the same nagging questions. What if I'm no good? What if my adventure isn't fun? What if I forget the rules? What if? What if? What if? On this show, we seek to answer those questions, dispel those doubts, and provide a roadmap to help anyone run their very first game. And the best way to understand the process of learning is to take a peek behind the curtain and see what a first-time GM really looks like, warts and all. This is a three-part series. Episode one is all about prep, where we will focus on building the session, understanding the GM's worries, and setting them up for success. Then it's out of the frying pan and into the fire in episode two, where our nascent game master will run their very first game for a group of new and experienced players. Then in episode three, we will look back on that first game to discuss what went right, what went wrong, and how we can improve. When you look at an RPG like D&D, the rules can be pretty daunting. It's a game that has a large startup cost, a large activation energy for you to go from zero to your very first game. But let's take a step back. Tabletop role-playing games are just about imagination. It's a childhood game of make-believe with a bit more structure to it. So do we really need three hardbound source books to get us started? What if an RPG was just uh, 20 pages long or 10? Or what if you could fit an entire tabletop role-playing game onto the face of just one page? One-page RPGs are incredibly fun, rules-light alternatives to the RPG behemoths like D&D, Pathfinder, and Call of Cthulhu. These games run the gamut of genres and put the focus on role-playing by simplifying the mechanics down to just one or two stats, allowing a character sheet to fit comfortably on a post-it note. They are designed to be played. You can read one in five minutes and prepare for one in less than an hour. Don't believe me? Well, I'm here to prove it. Joining me today is another brand new game master who has never run a session of any RPG. And to add another little wrinkle to this mix, he doesn't even know what game he'll be playing today. In this first episode, we'll be building a session and learning an entire game system. It sounds daunting, but don't worry. It'll be fun. And remember, if you're having fun, you're already doing it right. You know him best from the 20-sided podcast season two, Prisoners of the Static where he plays the Dragonborn Ranger Yakshara. It is my good friend and yours, Chinook Tessera. Chinook, how you doing? Yo, yo, yo. Hey, Brian. Thanks for having me. I am terrified now. Yeah, I know. I really, uh, it, it's, it's <laughs> a lot. I've put a lot on you. You put a lot of trust in me, and I appreciate it. Are you, you excited to get going? Dude, I am so pumped. I, I, I've been like, this is what I've been looking forward to this weekend. I was like, oh, Monday's going to be so much fun. I'll get to do this thing. A weird thing to want Monday to come around. What? made you interested in trying out running your very own game? I always knew I would, I would enjoy D&D. Like, it was just a very high startup cost and uh, just like a lot of time that I didn't have until the pandemic kind of was like, hey, you have plenty of time, you dumb, dumb idiot. <laughs> and so I think after playing with you and like getting like, it was all very easy and seeing you do it, I was like, oh, this is a ton of fun. Uh, you get to kind of like also just like work on comedy when you're playing this stuff like i'm just improving and like working on those skills that i i truly hated improv and then playing dnd i was like oh this is so much fun i like i get it game is cool so it, it's it's like a lot of birds in one stone you get to create your own thing and it's just it's a ton of fun and i i really 
I think I've enjoyed it more than I thought I would. You know, and I've enjoyed playing with you. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm really excited to see what you do running a game. Last season, when we had Abby on, she was really nervous. I was like nervous for her because she was like, she was excited, but she was nervous. And seeing her run her first game and like just fucking killing it was so much fun. <laughs> not, you know, not, not to set the bar high or anything. Right. <laughs> um, go, going into this, this process and like going to run your first game, what are some of your biggest worries or fears going into this process that we can kind of address and hope, hopefully alleviate as much as possible before you run that first game? Well, I, I didn't realize this was going to be a worry of mine until maybe when he started recording, but I don't want to <laughs> disappoint you. I oh, like no. Like you're my dad. <laughs> <laughs> It's the it's worst like, answer. You've seen, you've seen me like grow into this person that like knew nothing about D&D. Now it's like really enjoying it. I'm like, oh, man, I can't suck in front of Brian. Uh, uh, that, that is a silly one. But I think that is a worry I'm carrying. I think one thing that I actually am worried about is like, and maybe Abby talked about this too, just like stifling the story by like not being able to improvise well mm -hmm. like oh someone says something and i don't know what to do with it and then i like kind of let it fall flat i think I, I i am i am worried about that uh a ton i think regardless of how it plays out i don't think i think it's gonna be fun and maybe i'm completely wrong but i i, I feel like <laughs> the group is good and it's like very low stakes enough that like it'll be fun even if like I'm not creating it. The other people playing it will create it and it'll be, it'll be, I'm not, I'm not so worried about that. I'm just worried about like being able to create a story that is like, makes sense and will come, come through. Especially, I don't really know what game or thing I'm making. So I think <laughs> it's just on top of that, like, uh, I don't know what to do with this. I have no, I have no plan. I have no anything right now. I know I'm putting a lot in your plate. Uh, this is your first time running game. You still don't know what game it is. Are you ready to find out what game you're going to be running and playing? I am so excited. Yes. And let me give you the, the teaser trailer version. <laughs> Roll the intro music. It's HoneyCon 2022. You're about to undertake the greatest heist the world has ever seen. <laughs> Two things you need to know. One, you have a complex plan that requires precise timing. Two, you are a goddamn bear. <laughs> That's right, everyone. It's Honey Heist, the RPG where you play a bear trying to steal a buttload of honey. Uh, how do you feel? You, you ready to learn this goofy ass game? I am. I Yes, I am so pumped. This is amazing. A butt ton of honey. I am absolutely not an expert on Honey Heist. And this show is all about setting you up for success by providing you with the very best resources possible. So I went out and found the very best resource possible to help you learn and plan your very first game of Honey Heist. A bear. The game's creator, <laughs> Grant Howitt. Uh, Grant, welcome to the show. Hello. Hi. Yes, I wrote Honey Heist. When you briefed me on this, I thought I thought that our, our GM had picked the game. I didn't realize that we were both being thrust into this unawares. Oh, I know! <laughs> That's fantastic. Oh, wonderful. Wonderful. No, he had news. no idea. Everyone's everyone's coming in with nothing. Great, great, <laughs> wonderful. This is amazing. Hello, I wrote Honey Heist. I think I've run more Honey Heist. Well, not not than it. I think other people have definitely run it more than me. But I think that I've run it more than your average man, and can hopefully offer you some insight, or or at least maybe some confidence. But you seem to have enough as it is, so hopefully we'll be fine. <laughs> this is going to be great. I'm super pumped. 
Grant, can you give us the download on Honey Heist? The goal of game, the rules, the stats, character creation? Absolutely. I'll also post a PDF version in the show notes for this episode. So you can just look in the show notes, click, click, follow along with us. As Brian said, you are, you're going to be playing a goddamn bear, and you're going to rob a convention that's all about honey. Mechanically, it's very straightforward. There's two stats that, you're, that, you're, that your character has. There's criminal and bear. Okay. And this, these, these are the same way that you'd have like strength or dexterity um, or, or willpower in another game. You've got criminal and bear. They both start at three, and when something goes right and the plan goes off without a hitch, your criminal stat goes up and your bear stat goes down. Okay. When something goes wrong and you get frustrated, the inverse happens. Your criminal stat goes down and your bear stat goes up. When you act, you roll a, you roll a, a dice, a d6, under the, the most relevant stat. So if you're more than a security guard to bits with your powerful claws, you'll roll under bear. If you're disguising as, as a security guard with a security guard's hat and trying to your way past them, that'll be under criminal. If either stat hits six, you are retired from the game as you either lose it because you're a bear and get <laughs> captured by animal control or betray the party in a dramatic uh, betrayal scene. That's, that's pretty much all of it. There's no hit points. There's no battle maps. There's no movement speed. There's no AC. And what you'll be doing is holding an awful lot of it in your head. but. One of the most fun parts about Honey Heist, and I think if you if you can do this on on mic, you, you might as well. Or, or if you want to take some time to prepare beforehand, you can do this. Uh, you can do it beforehand. Is to roll up your characters. So there's uh, there are four little tables on the side of the on the side of the sheet, which is your descriptor, your bear type, and your skill, your role, and a bonus hat table. Depending, like, if you want to wear a hat, I've only ever heard one person not roll on the hat table, and I don't trust them. But I don't trust them either. <laughs> Got to roll on the hat table. These are inherently fun to roll on and make. So, for example, you might be a washed-up panda bear uh, hacker who is wearing a fez. Now, <laughs> stri- stripped of context, this might sound absurd, and that's fair. But the the joy comes, and this this I I think the the biggest tip I can give you about about setup is in a lot of role playing games people strive for niche protection or as you lot would say niche protection. <laughs> <laughs> people strive to really have like no I'm the only ranger I'm the guy who's good with the bow that guy's the wizard that guy's the fighter. The more similarities you have between your characters, the more story you're going to generate. So if someone if someone rolls the same hat, they've got some history there. Mm-hmm. If someone rolls the same bear type, they should be brothers or cousins or nephews. If someone rolls the same role as another person, you can get them to re-roll if you want, because it's a heist game, and so you know you can you can you can have the whole team. Or you have a fun situation where they're both trying to do the same thing and they right. both keep referencing <laughs> that job that went bad. <laughs> One of the core elements of Honey Heist, uh, much like Blades in the Dark, is flashbacks. And so it encourages a slightly rubbery treatment of time. So if you can if you can convince people to start establishing details that happened in the past, that is that is very useful for you in terms of just generating comedy. 
And my one, my one secret for you, and this is this is like the listener coming close, Shanique coming close. <laughs> Make two of the characters divorced. <laughs> <laughs> there are few things funnier than a divorced bear. <laughs> so if you've got if you've got a washed up character and a retired character, then one of them did well at the divorce and the other one didn't. <laughs> <laughs> but you can you can take a pretty basic storyline. You can take a pretty basic group setup, and the fact that everyone's a bear makes it really engaging and fun. That's amazing. I love that. Oh my god! I gotta have more divorce characters in all of my games now. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> so, I, I can also recommend Useless Half Brother. That's always a great role to play, or or, or, or be played too. Mm-hmm. Like. If you can, like, the reason why so many stories are about families and about love is because these 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 incredibly strong bonds pull us together and push us into stories and make us make us do things which are not like the most efficient thing. And mm. so by by forcing people into this, like, they won't go in there to rescue some some rookie sun bear they've just met. But if it's some rookie sunbear who who's their best friend's kid who they're taking out on their first heist, then okay, yeah, they'll get the kid out. So that's fun. Amazing. Now, you have I've I've given you I I gave you back in 2017 when I wrote this game um, a series of tools to 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 prep for your session. So if you look in the in the in the bottom right hand corner of the sheet, mm-hmm. um, a full I'm going to say a full third of it is there's some random table to set up the adventure. And you'll see, so it's Honeycon is being held in a run-down fishing village, or a dangerous truck convoy, or a lavish convention centre, which is, I guess, where no, it's not that exciting because it's a con. By rolling and combining these things, that is how you're going to make a... I was going to say make, make a convincing setting, but it doesn't have to be convincing. It, you just have to convince the players. You just have to convince them to, to enjoy it and suspend their disbelief. You don't need a map. Some people like having a map. And if you like going to cons, if that's something you've done, you can get a, a map of your favorite convention or your least favorite convention and set it there. Like, generally, if I'm running Honey Heist at a con, I will get the map of the convention and just cross out where it says game and then write honey on the map. And, so, <laughs> and that, that sort of that scans over pretty well. But... What you'll be doing, you'll be rolling on those. They let you give you sort of the overall vibe of the place, what what the prize is, aside from a load of honey, which are things like uh, Abraham Lincoln's haunted beehive, uh, Miss Universe, who is a bee, ultra-dense mega honey from especially posh bees. And these are, the, the gag with those is that this is, this is what the heist's about. All of these aside from the briefcase of, of pure Manuka extract, are quite hard to move around. They're quite challenging to get out. So ultra-dense mm-hmm. mega honey requires some sort of gravitational field to pull out, or like I guess it's like pulling really hard. Uh, the queen of all bees, once exiled, now returned, is going to be pretty, pretty snotty and not going to be... Ha- I mean, Abraham Lincoln's <laughs> beehive has his ghost in it. And so <laughs> this is the... Ch- like, the, 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 like, the, the thing in Honey House, it's not hard to find a load of honey because you're a bear, you can maul people. Most of, most of the bears in this game are taller than humans and can easily tear people to shreds. But it's not about that. It's about getting the prize. And the mm-hmm. prize requires some, some clever thinking. And by clever thinking, I mean the third thing they say. 
That's the other thing. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, I'm just, I'm throwing stuff at you. I'm 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 gonna, I'm gonna ask you a question in a second, but before I forget this, and again, readers coming close, li- listeners coming, 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 coming close. If you're planning a heist, if your players are doing a heist, the correct plan is the one which has three steps. There's no and and like add or subtract from that number depending on how long you want the game to go. And also, players don't listen to that because it really ruins the magic if your players know what's going on. But <laughs> if, the play, if the players are like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna open the door. Oh well, there's a guard there. Okay, I'm gonna distract the guard and open the door. Oh, but that, but but there's a there's a laser tripwire inside. Okay, I'm gonna distract the guard, open the door, and hack laser tripwire. Fine, that's the scene. But if you just keep saying, if you just keep giving them problems. And until there's enough steps, and then you roll mm-hmm. some dice. But yeah, your your role is to insert difficulties into whatever they do and have fun with it. Now, I'm going to let you say some things because I have just been yelling at you about bears <laughs> for what feels like half an hour. So, what what fear what 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 particular fears and questions do you have concerning concerning this game? This was super helpful. I have like. Three pages of notes already. Uh, <laughs> uh, I think uh, one question I have is mm. when my players create characters, I create their backstories or like I like force them to introduce their backstory. Like how, like what uh, is that? It's, it's negotiation that happens uh, between you. There's no tables for that. Okay. Um, generally the way in which I word it is, I think it would be great or I think it'd be funny if you two have some connection. Um, what if you two were married? Or okay. what if you two were brother and sister? Ask them if they're into it. Because if they're not, and like, I mean, some people aren't into it, and they don't want to have to like worry about, so I mean, you don't know everyone's history, they don't want to have their fun time roleplay about bears ruined because um, their they're, they're useless fuck-up brother needs rescuing again, just like in real life. Mm-hmm. But generally, most people are up for it, um, cool. if, if, if you ask them nicely. <laughs> cool. I won't tell them. I'll ask them nicely. Oh, and give them kids. That's the other thing. Oh, <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. If, if there's a divorce couple, you gotta have some little bears. Poor, poor. I'm hungry for honey. Poor. <laughs> it was your turn to pick him up. No, it wasn't. It was your turn. <laughs> Everyone's wife sounds like this. No. I, mean, I can only do one accent. <laughs> it just goes up or down in pitch. <laughs> So like we you negotiate the kind of relationships. And I guess like, is there like a typical starting place? Like, is it like you're kind of like oh, doing yeah. flashbacks oh, to introduce oh, the heist? Oh, like there's, there's, there's a typical starting place. Good <laughs> okay. question. The typical starting place, uh, I steal from a different game that I wrote. So I put out a game years ago before Honey Heist called uh, One Last Job, which is a which is a game about about putting the crew back together for one last job, <laughs> except you're all you're all kind of shit now. But that like that game has a really good start, and unfortunately, like the actual gameplay is fine. But the start of it is tremendous because what happens is the GM makes a character, gives that to a person, and then the, and then the GM like like describes the mission, describes the heist, and then the person who's playing the character is like, "Well, oh, the laser tripwire grid. We're not going to get past that unless we get the best hacker in this city." I know, and then and then someone will be like, "Oh, I'll play the best hacker in this city," and that was a really kind option. But you, you can have like, "Oh, we'll never get past that unless we get a man who drives a big garbage truck to drive through the wall." <laughs> oh, okay, I'll play the garbage truck man. <laughs> and so, a re- a really fun way of doing this 
is if someone rolls the brains character, for example, you make uh, their role, you make them the leader of the heist, you give them the idea, you ask them where they're living as a bear, are they in a zoo, have they managed to disguise themselves as uh, like in human society, are they living in a bin, and then mm. a flyer for Honeycon flutters down and lands on them, and they think about they think about putting the gang back together. At that point, you can go around and sort of see an average life, or an average day in the life of these characters, or more sort of what their reaction is to being drawn into the heist. So it gives everyone a little bit of screen time. And so if you've got like a, an, an unhinged honey bear driver, he might be in a in, in like like a like a stock car derby destruction derby thing. And mm-hmm. so that like, you can you can just give you, you can give them the opportunity to describe that and give them a bit of setup and platform which they can build later on. That makes a lot of sense. So it's just like giving them like this is the kind of place you're in and describe like what you're kind of doing in that. Yeah, yeah. The biggest piece of advice I can give for all role playing games is ask players questions. Mm-hmm. So on the top level, you can say, "Well, where are you living?" and on a more interesting level, you can say things like, where are you living since the divorce? <laughs> <laughs> and that's the thing. Players can refuse stuff. Like, um, I don't know how aware you are of safety tools. I don't know. Like, is, is that something which you use in your, in your online games and stuff like that? Uh, it is. We haven't discussed it too much on this show, uh, but it's definitely worth it. Yeah, going. sure. If, if that is, basically, as long as, as long as Chinook's aware of them. As long as your players have access to the safety tools and have access to understanding that the safety tools can be used not in emergencies, but in like, no, nah, I don't like that. I want to do, I want to do something else. Mm-hmm. Then you can push quite hard with the story and you can say, well, where have you been living since the divorce? And also you're a bear and also you're a thief. Where have you been living since they chased you out of town? What have you done to make amends after the last job went wrong? And so by giving them a leading question or giving them like establishing something and then asking them to play with that, Gives, gives them a lot of material to play with, rather than rather than asking them. Right, you are you you are a bear and you're a criminal. Personally, I don't play with bears, and most of the most of the people who I play role playing games with aren't the sort of high level criminals that you'd write a role playing game about. It's mainly just sort of like minor drug deals. So it's very hard to connect to that space. And if you say right. You're a bear. You're a criminal. What are you doing? Oh, I'm in a cage. Oh, I live in the woods. Um, I'm gonna and they just come up. They, they come up with something which isn't especially interesting and doesn't plug into the story as a whole. Mm-hmm. And for you as the GM, if you can give them a little something, for the driver, for example, say right, what sort of vehicle are you driving now? What sort of vehicle do you have access to? For the hacker, what online game are you playing? Mm-hmm. And giving them a little bit of. Giving them a prompt and giving them room to explore and explain around that, you can start meshing and weaving those together. That makes a ton of sense. And uh, the 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 world that these bears exist in, it's they are living in a human world. It's not like uh, it's it's never fully defined. Okay, I found I found fascinating because like a lot of people have played Honey House since I put it out, which is nice. And there is kind of an unofficial bit of law in that as long as you're wearing a hat, people think you're a bear. <laughs> <laughs> and if the hat comes off, the ruse completely drops 100%. Okay. I personally, I, look, man, whatever gets bears in hats, I'm, I'm, I'm easy. <laughs> I think that it's, I, I'm like, I think that it's really fun to pretend that a bear in a hat and like a human coat can pass themselves off as a human. Fine, whatever. It's a bit of fun, <laughs> but um, generally, 
the thing which I would say is like even if there are more bears than normal in this world, they are not necessarily welcome at Honeycon. This is a hostile environment for them, and they are going to try and steal it. They're not taking part in a normal way. They're not here to look at the look at the, to go to a talk on bees. They're not here to try the latest manuka. They're here to try and steal as much as they can and then get out, probably in some kind of boat. <laughs> <laughs> okay, amazing. I love this. I love this. I love this. So, the secret to making it seem like you have a really clever plot. One, ask the players and then use their answers. Okay. Um, and if you if you do it well enough, they think they think that you came up with them and you seem really clever. But the the easiest way to make something seem multi-layered and complex and like with an arc is you say it's one thing, but actually it's another. And that is that is the core concept of most stories. If like one threat or one problem is hiding the second true threat. And once once you've defeated the first threat, the second one comes to light. You can foreshadow the second one if you want. You can mention it. But that means that rather than, right, here's the problem. We've solved the problem. Let's go home. It gives you an act three. It gives you a twist, even though you've really done no work and just haven't really mentioned the second problem. Mm-hmm. It feels viable. And the way in which the way in which we've done this is right at the right at the bottom right of the of the sheet, there is a thing that says, but little do the bears know. And there's plot twists. So there's things like the cops are en route, or the prize is a fake, or the bees are angry. You don't have to <laughs> use these. I always roll it and then forget to use it because I'm generating enough stuff as it is, and it would it, it would it would feel cheap. Mm-hmm. But if you want a twist, if you want to have something which is exciting and interesting and feels surprising, then you need to have a little bit of a surprise in there. It can't it can't just be a mission which goes wrong or right. Okay. The other thing I would like to mention is when a player rolls a dice and all the dice they roll are six, so that's double sixes or one six or whatever, if it only shows sixes, then that is, you have carte blanche to do whatever you want. <laughs> the, the, the rules say, um, introduce a twist or unseen complication into proceedings. So when a player rolls a six, they're going to fail. Okay. Because it's a roll under system. So because I've written it on the bit of paper there, that means that it's not just you being a dick about this. No, 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 no. It's on, it's on the sheet Grant said. This mysterious <laughs> Grant H, who, who left, left out his surname in his most popular game so no one could find it. <laughs> I, thought, I thought it sounded cool. I'm really quite upset about that. <laughs> but I've used that opportunity to introduce... Um, generally, I'll, I'll have someone's mum turn up. Okay. Um, in that, or that's that's when I'll have the uh, like that's that's when I'll have the ex-husband arrive, or the floor collapses, or a helicopter arrives. Like you can you can you can take any sort of you can yes and anything to a stupid degree, because what the player has said is right. I want to take advantage of this situation. I want to act on the world, and I want to affect it in the way in which I desire. And they roll the dice and. Against all odds, it's gone really badly wrong for them. So it's their fault. They rolled, something bad happened, it's their problem now, deal with it. Rather than you being like, oh, actually, yeah, well, actually, all your mum show up on a bus at the start of the event. That's pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) That's not not terrible. (laughs) 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 
So that gives you that gives you plenty of opportunity to mess around, and it's the it's the equivalent of a critical fail in D and D. Cool. Uh, except it's slightly more likely, but the game runs faster. And indeed, on the game running faster point, I am going to encourage you, Chinook, run for an hour and a half. Run okay. for two hours tops, because this is exhausting to do. Okay. I'm a pretty seasoned GM. That's the, it's, it's not necessarily a challenge, because you are, you're clearly an intelligent man. You've asked me a lot of very intelligent questions, and you're wearing glasses, which I like. <laughs> also, you've done role-playing games, and you've done role-playing games on streams, so you understand not just the base level of how to do a role-playing game, but also things like, story positioning and like oh uh we need to highlight this player for a bit or, or like oh i haven't said much for a while or i've said too much so i'm going to pull back and most of your role as a gm is going to be steering that steering those things the reason why I, why i'm recommending that you run for two hours tops is dungeons and dragons the entire game is already simulated in those three rule books mm-hmm. so that's that's a big machine which makes basements with people and they're wearing shoes and you kill them take the shoes you've got better shoes right but you don't, the GM doesn't need to think about that. There's no simulation. There's no inventiveness on the, on the spot unless you're doing dialogue for an NPC. That all happens beforehand in the prep stage. In this, you're not going to be prepping. You're going to be improvising. You're going to be thinking, what, is this a criminal action? Is this a bear action? What can I describe in this situation which is going to give the players fun things to play with? What things can I drop in which, which they can use as... Uh, the word I use is props. And this is not like a, well, actually, I imagine NPCs would work for this as well. Imagine a, uh, as a chandelier, a rickety chandelier with a rope attached to a winch and it's unguarded. Okay. That is a prop. It's not like, it's, it's not, it's not, it's not the MacGuffin. It's not the objective. It's not something that's terribly important, but you, you, you give it to a player and the player's like, oh, I've got, I've got to fuck with the chandelier. That's going to fall right. down on someone. Um, if you've ever played any of the, especially the more recent Hitman games, those things are loaded with props. Okay. They're absolutely tremendous in terms of like, right, here's a load of things to play with. Go mash them into some guy's head. And you can do that <laughs> similarly with this. You can have like, um, right, here is, a, here, here is a VR section where you experience first person B. Um, here is a go-kart with a honey theme. Here is a uh, here is a beef uh, knitting element. Here is a honey waterfall. You can you can like come up with all these stupid things, put them in, write them down, and you can like. You, and if you want to do the map, you might as well because it's your first session, you know, and that right. means you don't have to you don't have to improvise quite as hard. But what you're not doing is you're not thinking right. Here's the problem. There's there's a locked door and the keys here. They're going to go here, get the key, get the locked door. Mm-mm-mm. You provide them with problems. You provide them with toys, and you let them see what happens. Cool. It is not. It, this is not a puzzle to be solved. This is an ongoing situation which you are going to be steering. You, you have a hand on the rudder, and you are you are trying to steer it towards adventure and excitement. But you are. This is not like. There's no right or wrong answers. The bears are going to steal the honey. Right. What we're interested in is what happens along the way and how that works. I don't think we've ever had a failure. In Honey Heist, because the game is not set up in that way. The game is about getting out with the honey, and it's very exciting. And everyone's stats are really near the top, and everyone's going to pop, and you get out and do the thing. Amazing. I think that's that's all of it. The last piece of advice I'll give you is well, last well, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to answer questions. But the last piece of advice I'll directly give you is everyone gets confused about when to increase and decrease the stats. 
because I wrote it in a really vague way. And it's up to you. I forget quite often. And it doesn't matter if you forget, but this is what you have instead of hit points. This is what you have instead of tactical positioning or per-encounter abilities. You have these two numbers which slide up and down and dictate the behavior of your bears. And players can move them voluntarily by doing certain actions, which is either describing a flashback scene, which is funny because they're bears, and so they're all like in a cafe with coffee and cigarettes and you know, they're bears, <laughs> or eating a shed load of honey. You can do, you do those two things, which, which sort of add into the game. So they can move them around themselves. The important thing I would recommend for you to do is, if you've got one note in front of you, aside from the, you know, your little map and what have you, is shift points, move points around. Be free and willing. When something goes right, give someone a point in criminal, because that, that means they're going to try more criminal stuff. Okay. When something goes wrong, give someone a point in bear. And it doesn't have to be every success and every failure. But when it feels like a like a like a plot point, like a beat, yeah. give them that hit, and then that will that will push them into increasingly competent crime and bare chaos, which is kind of the goal of the game. That makes sense. Do the the stats like are they like do you like add anything to the rolls and stuff? Is that they're like modifiers? Like they give you extra dice. Cool. Uh, so so the stats you only ever roll under. Okay. So, so if so if if it's if it's a stat of three or equal to or under to three is a success. The bear type and their skill and your roll, you add an extra dice and pick the lowest. Cool. So if you are say a polar bear, you can swim, and if you are the thief, then you can sneak in and steal things. Mm-hmm. Um, and if if you can combine, so for example, if you got like grizzly with a skill terrify and the roll muscle then they are rolling three dice whenever they're trying to scare someone by being big because they're really good at that. But there is, like, it's pretty pretty vague. Like, the panda's special skill is eat anything that looks like bamboo. <laughs> and I've, I've never had that not abused. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's, that's, that's kind of that's the, the point of the game. Like, people are supposed to be cheeky and supposed to try things and supposed to be silly because it's effectively a closed system. They can't, they can't get a great axe which does 2,000 damage. They can't skip to the end of the game. They can't one-shot the boss. There's no hit points. Right. So people can take the piss and be silly and mess about, and it's not gonna, it's not gonna break the game. You are, you're gonna be steering carnage, and it's fun. <laughs> I'm feeling pretty, pretty good about this right now. Yeah. I feel like it's not too much to come up with beforehand. I feel like it's very much like introduce the characters. Act one is like there's the heist and the problem. Act two is solving the first problem and revealing the second one. And then third is like they get the prize. One thing I would recommend the convention organizer. And one thing we haven't we haven't really discussed here. The one of the tables is the convention organizer, and all of them are assholes. <laughs> and you you gotta play that convention organizer like a wrestling heel. Everyone's gotta hate you and want to like ideally you want the sort of character who wants to be pushed off a pier. That sort of one doesn't want to be. <laughs> okay. who, who deserves to be pushed off a pier? It's like you have them sneering. I always make them rich. Oh, yeah. Um, like, I always have them as Tories. And, oh, it'd be wonderful <laughs> to move hon- Honeycon to the exclusive resort next year so all these paws <laughs> can't come along. And there'll be no threat of bears. And then suddenly a bear leaps out of a wardrobe and mauls him to death. Great, fine, <laughs> perfect. Jokes for themselves. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think you're ready to rock. The 80s are over. 
and you're not kids anymore. Now is a much darker time. Something happened to you and you got touched by the weird and it made you wild and it made you powerful. This is the world of The Lost Bay, a suburban gothic RPG. A fever dream set in 1990X and inspired in equal parts by dark fantasy, horror classics, and the 90s indie culture. After years of development, and thanks to the feedback and support of a community of early enthusiasts, The Lost Bay is coming to Kickstarter, featuring a full rulebook and complete setting designed by Eco, kick-ass art by Evangeline Gallagher, killer maps by Strega Wolf Vandenberg, and six additional modules by some of the coolest designers in the indie scene. So go to thelostbayrpg.com to be notified on launch. That's thelostbayrpg.com. I've always found is the best way to make a person that people truly hate is to make them in some way like better than the characters, but for mm. reasons that aren't their responsibility. So like they're rich and like their parents were rich. They're trading off the name of their family. They have a like an item that does all the like they have a magic sword that does all the work for them. and They just take the credit like there's nothing that people or even better if they have somehow taken the credit for what the party has done. <laughs> There is nothing that more motivates a group of people than like getting back at that person. This new refined honey extract gives me the equivalent strength of four to five bears. <laughs> we'll see about that. Come on, four or five bears, let's go. Yeah, I really like that. That's quite. That's, that's quite fun. I, I, I really like the, like like the gag that like you've been trying. You've been trying really hard for this, and they got it for free and don't care. Exactly. Right. Mm. It's Into just a lake. It's so sweet. It, it's better yeah. than the evil villain. It's like just the asshole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so much more exciting to yeah. defeat. I I think I think we should practice rolling up bears. Oh yeah, Ooh. let's do that. All right. So we, we can each roll up a bear, and then Shanuk can try and sort of work out how to key us together in a group. Ooh, this is great. I didn't think wow. I'd get to roll things. This is oh, I know, right? Oh, fun. What a, what a great day. <laughs> I'm having so much fun. Okay, wait, I got some D6. Okay, let's see. I'm gonna roll my descriptor. Ooh, what do we got? I got washed up. Washed up. Grizzly. And I'm the muscle. What kind of hat you are? Oh, what kind of hat am I? Oh my god. I'm what a, what a fool I am. Oh, I'm wearing a trilby. Okay. Ooh. Okay. So Immediately there, just in terms of what sort of connections that makes, the trilby suggests something. Mm -hmm. The fact that the grizzly is the muscle suggests something. And so we can sort of imagine kind of like the, I think, is it Marv from Sin City? But like, like yeah. this is really square. Like, bears don't wear coats, but this guy would be wearing a coat. He's got a trilby. And he kind of talks like this. Mm, just right, a little bit grizzled down there. I have, I rolled, a slick panda bear driver and i'm wearing a top hat oh i love that because he's black and white it's like a little tuxedo type thing black and white with a top hat and so I'm, I'm imagining myself as some sort of novelty chauffeur who drove around the rich and famous who were interested in being driven by a bear and i fell into the wrong crowd perhaps um Chinook, what have you rolled i rolled a 
retired Grizzly. Mm, that's the stuff. We got Amazing. two Grizzlies. Two Grizzlies, baby. Uh, brains. And my hat is a Fez. Mm. So we have a point of commonality between your two characters because they're both Grizzlies. Mm-hmm. And as as GM, what you it, there's a balancing act to give your players enough freedom so it doesn't feel like you're just sort of writing the whole game for them, but also to guide them in a way which makes a cohesive story rather than everyone sort of sitting separately. Right. So we've got we've got the point of connection. How do you think the two of you are connected through your grizzliness? Uh, I think the first thing that came up to me is like, oh, maybe like they're cousins or or like brothers or something. They both seem because one's washed up, one's retired. I feel like mm-hmm. uh, they're about the same age mm-hmm. there. Maybe they have like, yeah, probably like cousins or the same mom or something like maybe uh, I think now it's like, yeah, they have the same mom, but different dads. Uh, why? That's why one's brains and one's muscle. So it's so it's like half brothers. Yeah, half brothers. Yeah, that's okay, cool, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Immediately, you've invented their mother. Yes, that their, their mother is a valuable character because I'm I'm imagining their mother as even bigger and even squarer than they are because it operates on bear rules. <laughs> <laughs> and she's and like and she's she's just like, so, oh, are you boys getting into trouble again and she's got like a hair in rollers because she's a bear because uh, she's a lady so like so, so so you've got the opportunity you've got the challenge to play with those two characters there now the challenge we've got here is how how are we going to bring my character into the thing right. we don't share anything between between our results so how are you going to bring in a panda with delusions of grandeur i think uh your panda actually has I, I, this is, might be ridiculous, but I think your panda has what? dated. No, in this game, <laughs> in the game about bears, your, your panda has dated both the two grizzlies on and off for the past oh, ten years. Oh, that's the stuff. Okay, <laughs> all right, yeah, yeah. Okay, I, I like the idea that my panda um, was a was a novelty limousine driver for the rich and famous, and then um, you know the two thousand eight the stock market crash happened. No one was interested in hiring uh, pandas to drive them around in cars anymore, and also there's a lot of like animal animal cruelty laws came in. So I fell into doing jobs for uh, grizzly for for the grizzly <laughs> mafia. <laughs> grizzly mafia. There it is. There it is. That's the stuff. I fell into doing jobs for the grizzly mafia, and I, I, I fell in love with both with, with both of these 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 handsome grizzly brothers, both kind of the wrong age of forty or however old old is for a bear. <laughs> <laughs> and so from that like by by connecting things by by putting this thing together we get a tiny little slice of a wider world which we can start expanding on so mm-hmm. we know that there is a grizzly mafia we know that bears date each other we know that bears have we know that bears get married and divorced <laughs> <laughs> or at least perhaps in, or, or you know we don't we know that bears could exist in some sort of complex polycule. Right. You can set that up if you <laughs> You boys coming over for Thanksgiving to the polycule. <laughs> Bring your mothers some cigarettes. <laughs> we can take that and then we can we can play that. But like we've got we've got this core group of these sort of these 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 lovers, this kind of Dean and Sam Winchester brother traveling right. around action. Let's let's get some dice on the um on the other on the other tables and, and 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 see what the job is and how we can stitch these things together. Cool. 
Cool. Let's do convention organizer. We got a clueless and exploitable mm. uh, convention wow, organizer. I will also note if you don't like what you've rolled or it doesn't quite match, do change it. Okay. Like you don't need to feel like the reason why random tables are really powerful is because they connect things we wouldn't normally think of, mm-hmm. and so we can have these fun things and then be and then be surprised by them. But sometimes you'll roll one that's like, oh, it just doesn't gel. It doesn't fit with the idea. So yeah, do not feel beholden to them. Cool. Honeycon is being held in a busy truck convoy. Mm. Yes. Ooh, okay. Busy it's a mobile. Convoy. Is this is this Honeycon in process or is it being transported somewhere like a big traveling circus? Ooh, I think it's in process. You have to. This is a, a massive like almost like train car but just like imagine like a three-lane highway and then taking up the entire highway of a truck type thing <laughs> super wide yeah super wide it's, no one's gonna clu- this thing this clueless and exploitable kid <laughs> no, 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 no. old man it's like, oh, that seems like a good idea to me. Oh, I, I always thought, I always thought these roads were too narrow. And so he's been tricked by a series of development operatives <laughs> to make a very, very wide car. I like the idea of a touring Honeycon as well. So like, so like, it's 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 three lanes wide, eight lanes long, powerfully illegal, can't be stopped. <laughs> but it travels between locations, so like, you you might be able to get into it while it was refueling. Right. You might be able to, uh, like, like, oh, it's going to sync up with a different location. You can put it there if the players aren't into, if the players for some reason aren't into a high speed chase. Right. It's a slow speed chase. This thing ain't moving very fast. It's just it's not a- stopping <laughs> once it gets going. I got to imagine that every year that Honey HoneyCon comes to town, everyone's like, all right, we can't go. The, the day is a wash. Everyone, or, stock up on your food. Put on some Netflix. You're not going anywhere today. <laughs> just, just full of assholes. I like that. <laughs> the worst uh, what, bears are coming. What's the What's the prize? Ooh, the prize. Um, cool. The prize is a black orchard honey, which turns anyone who eats it into a goth. Mm. <laughs> I would also recommend expanding this to give it a sort of goth um, aura. Okay. If you get close to it and open it, then you suddenly start developing eyeliner or like humming the cure or something. <laughs> or whatever, or what, whatever it is goths do nowadays, I don't know. You just find yeah. a bunch of clove cigarettes all around you. Uh, yeah, yeah, like, like we just exhale and it's clove cigarettes. <laughs> so that gives you some interesting, like, how, how is the honey being, how is the black orchid honey being presented? Um, and what elements is that introducing so like for abraham lincoln's beehive obviously you have the ghost which you can put in you can also have like secret service agents could be guarding the beehive and that sort of thing so aside from the security features which we're all again one thing like we don't need to answer these questions now and i think that be i think we should finish rolling the rest of the thing before we get into it but 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 this this gives you one one jigsaw piece which you can start jamming the jigsaw around that was that's not how you make jigsaws (laughs) (laughs) right voice it in so you've got two more tables. Uh, cool. I'll do the security features first. Cool. I guess. There's two of those. Uh, oh, cool, cool. Electronically locked doors and impenetrable vault. Mm. Ooh, impenetrable vault. That's 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 heist right there. <laughs> A moving impenetrable vault. It's always <laughs> got to be the best vault ever designed by man or bear. <laughs> 
this vault's so expensive, we had to put a bus on it. <laughs> we had to put a bus on it. No man's ever gotten into this vault, but they never said anything about bears. bears. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, little do the bears know, they've been set up. Ah, oh, boy. Hell yeah. So someone, someone is wanting them to steal this, or... It was all an insurance scam. <laughs> like maybe someone's wanting them to steal it, or maybe like they're they're a distraction for something else, or mm-hmm. like this shouldn't result in them being arrested immediately. And also, there's very little you can do to stop a stop a group of like bare five players. the The world's their oyster as long as they want to maul things. <laughs> what I would recommend is rather than writing a complicated version of why this has all been set up and why why this all happened, remember that they've been set up. Remember that this is, that like, not ev- everything is not what it seems. And then underneath that, as you as you put down the things, as you sketch out a map of the big sort of wagon train of giant buses or what have you, <laughs> you have a series of, th- you have a series of reasons why they might have been set up. But nothing exists, nothing is real until you speak it aloud at the table. And even then, you can undo it, or you can say you were lying. Uh, you've got a lot of wiggle room. So if you have one reason why they were set up, you're either going to be too obvious in foreshadowing it, or you're not going to be obvious enough, and it's going to be frustrating. Whereas if you leave yourself open to the prospect that someone's someone's in on it, mm-hmm. then you can you can react to that when you when you, when the players roll those double sixes, you can start introducing that when people start investigating things. You can say, oh, actually, this is it, and then you sort of build. You build the solution yourself. You can abandon it if you get bored of it and no, one, no one's going that way because no one's going to care because they're just a load of bears anyway. Right. And again, if you just introduce enough ex-wives, you'll be fine. <laughs> so how are we? How do you feel like stitching the, the fictional bear universe which we've built into this triple-wide honeycon? <laughs> <laughs> I feel really good, honestly. I think... Mm. There's like enough here to like give you like starting places to build and expand and like the whole I feel like at ease of like, oh, I don't need to have everything set up immediately. Like it's players are creating the world with me. It seems pretty low stakes and and just Mm -hmm. like anything's game. You want to make a triple highway big truck that holds this convention? Sure. I feel good. We'll see what happens when I start playing, but I feel good right now. <laughs> Wonderful. That's, that's the most important thing, as long as you feel good. <laughs> the, the best thing you can be is open and receptive, and your players will have a good time. And you go with them, you say yes, you learn what they're angling for, you try and give them what they want, but then give them, give them what they want, but with a complication. That's, mm-hmm. that's just what being a GM is, really. Give them what they want with a complication. Yeah, gotta make to them work by. for it. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They want it. Yeah. They think they want it for free. They don't. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of weird BDSM shit tied up in doing Shinook, before I kind of move on into like some final thoughts, wrap up stuff, any other questions you have, Grant, any other words of wisdom you want to impart? Also, just quick pause. This has been so much fun. This has been great. It has been fun. I, I ran out of wisdom 20 minutes ago. I don't know what these words are anymore. Uh, but Shinook, if you've got any more questions, go for it. You're still shooting uh, pretty hot, even if your wisdom you. meter's gone down. <laughs> right. It's gold you're spitting out right now. Mm. Uh, Bronze. With twists and stuff, like, have you, I guess, if there's like a prize that like, they don't know about or like things like that, like, oh, like the, the stuff we rolled, 
how often do people like kind of go off script and just like create something completely different of like this is a completely new prize that uh, every that. 12 minutes <laughs> <laughs> people people like I said it depends who you play with if you play with players who are either very experienced or very inexperienced they will start making stuff up cool there's a level of normally when when we play role playing games we learn how to negotiate and to and, and, and to negotiate assumptions so it's saying like um i i'm going to stride i'm, I'm going to walk over to the wall and and and, and pull the curtains open and, and let let the sunlight in mm-hmm. we can assume that any room you're in has curtains and has a window and there's sunlight shining outside and the and the gm isn't going to be like oh hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. it's like we're on mars or we're underwater like once that's been established you can get that and moderately experienced players have that language and have that way of getting it. It's like, cool, okay, well, I'm going to wait until the GM tells me something, I'm going to react to what the GM says. Players who have been playing for the last 15 years or players who've just started playing today will go like, I'm going to get in the car and drive down the corridor. I mentioned a car. Of course there's a car here. Shut up. <laughs> and, and so people can throw things at you. Like, people can really throw confusion at you and, and, um, and surprises. But you have infinite resources and like it's not it's not possible for them to sort of trick their way past the problem because you can always come up with some, with some interesting challenges their solution can cause further problems and if people if people do want to bring in things and do want to start suggesting things wildly the only reason the only reason why i would suggest why i would say no to anything is because it interrupts the pace or the tone of the game so in terms of pace, you want something new every fifteen minutes or so. That's that's me. Don't don't write that down. That was a complete guess. Um, <laughs> but like like something novel happening, a, a beat or like uh, or like, hey, this thing exists. This thing's happening. You want something. You want you want you want this ticking along relatively rapidly. And if people are naming things and then not using them or throwing them away, then that can be quite that can be quite disruptive. And so you might want to just sort of like pull back on that or not encourage that or just not develop those ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, anything your players give you is work you didn't have to do, right? And you can pass it off as your own idea, right? Something which men are really good at is saying a woman's <laughs> joke again but louder, mm-hmm. and that's a lot of what being a GM is. <laughs> <laughs> taking credit for the players' ideas, and the players are just like, "Oh wow, how clever!" Yeah, idiot. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the promo clip right there. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but, yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Call my players idiots. Will do. I, I would add in the only other reason to say no that I've ever found is if one of the players is stepping on another player's agency. So yeah, if yeah. I'm going to jump, if I say, oh, I want my guy to jump in front of the train, probably killing myself. Oh, but I'm going to grab Pete and jump with him too. Uh, it, it's one of those things where it's like, no, let's like check with Pete. But other than that, yeah, uh, I agree. It's kind of like, let the players add to the world as much as possible. That is very fair. And I think one other thing which I want to say is in addition to safety tools is this is a game. You're all humans. And especially seeing as this is for a podcast, you're trying to build an entertaining story. This isn't a simulation. This isn't a puzzle. This isn't a challenge. So being able to step back, and you can even cut it out of the audio if it doesn't sound especially good, but stepping back and saying, right, what, what are we trying to achieve here? What's your, when you're, when you're sneaking through the office, what are you looking for? What do you want to come out of this? And so giving people, like, asking for stakes is quite clear, asking what people are looking for, rather than the players being like, well, I'm going to look for a thing. I don't know what I'm going to find. 
you can you can push them in that in, in that direction. And if if there's a challenge between players, if it's like, well, I want to I want to do this thing, and the other players, I want to do this thing, which doesn't go there. Get them to pull back. Get them to discuss as players around the table what their goal is, what the most interesting thing is, how you can negotiate to a a different level, and uh, and you can you can have fun with that. I have like maybe seven pages of notes now. Beautiful. <laughs> you can't fail. My advice to you is to throw them away and have a picture of a bear in front of you and just just focus on the bear. Because <laughs> a bear in a hat so much the better and just channel the bear. Channel the bear. Channel, channel the, the inner bear. Chinook, before we get out of here, I know you, you had some worries when we came in. Any of those worries still lingering? I think now I am worried about disappointing both you and Ant. <laughs> <I think it's- laughs> We are both going to be proud Papa Bears at the end of this, I promise. <laughs> I, I guarantee you it will not be the worst session of Honey Heist that I have been in or run. <laughs> like, like, it, like you, you will do better than most people, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm, I'm excited. I don't think I'm, I'm not worried at the moment. And I'm excited to play. It's going to be so much fun. <laughs> Two more little things. Where are you feeling most confident right now? I think I feel most confident in like starting up. I think I was a little worried about like, where do I go? How do I, how do I do this? Um, like, how do I make these, these characters like real and, and fun to play with? But I think I have a pretty good grasp of that. Now I'm pretty confident in starting, like at least having like a fun intro portion of the game. And if nothing else, that gets the ball rolling. And then it's just at that point, it's like Buzz Lightyear. You're falling with style. <laughs> I got two more little things that I always like to end any of these shows with. One, what is a piece of encouragement that you want to like give your future self? So when we're going to play the actual game, what's the thing that you want to tell yourself? Like, hey, Chinook, here's some encouragement. Yeah, uh, I think I would say calm down, man. Just have fun. It's going to be fine. And uh, you're 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 just here for fun. Like this is supposed to, it's a game. Calm down. Chuckle, bear. Look, <laughs> look, look closer at the <laughs> look picture at the of the bear. bear. What would the bear do? I have to get a printer so I can print out a picture of a bear. <laughs> or just just find a bear. <laughs> Bring one into my room. Mm-hmm. I'm going to buy you one of those like Coney Island teddy bears, you know, like the eight foot tall, <laughs> the huge, huge teddy bears. <laughs> In episode three, we're going to look at kind of like look back on how you did, where things went right, where things went wrong, and like kind of just your thoughts on the game overall. What is a question you have for your future self, kind of looking ahead to that time? Uh, I think the question I would I would ask myself is, did you have fun? <laughs> Did you enjoy this? You know, that's a good question. Yeah. The most important question. Because ultimately, uh, you know, tag on the show. If you're having fun, you're doing it right. That's Ooh. it. You won. You beat the game. <laughs> you beat the game. You done did it. No Everyone knows you can only win role-playing games by eating more dice than the other guy. <laughs> <laughs> and only the D4s, the pointy ones. The D4. Well, you get more points with the D4s, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And that is it for episode one of this season of My First Dungeon. A big, huge, massive, colossal thank you to Grant Howitt for helping us out learn and plan this session of Honey Heist and for just creating Honey Heist and a bunch of other games you guys should absolutely check out. Grant, can you tell the folks uh, where they can find you if they want to find more of your games or where they can find you on social media? Yeah, sure. If you go to rrdgames.com, so that's short for Rowan Rick and Deckard, which is harder to which harder to spell than rrdgames.com. You can find everything that I've written and everything we've written as a company. Rowan Rick and Deckard is the is the three person company which uh, which I'm part of. 
And so shorter games like Honey Heist, but also longer games like Spire uh, and Heart, which are about sort of dungeon delving or overthrowing the government and big, serious, messy things, which is fun. Uh, and if you want to um, receive frequent updates of unreleased products, um, which I've just taken Microsoft Word screenshots of, or <laughs> pictures of the toy soldiers I build, you can follow me on on, uh, on Twitter at GSHowit. That's G-S-H-O-W-I-T-T. Hell yes. And I absolutely encourage everyone, check out all of these games, all of his work, follow him on social media. Especially the toy soldiers. Especially the toy soldiers. <laughs> If you are a toy soldier, this is definitely an account you should check out. I'd, I'd love to meet you if you were a toy soldier. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're a toy soldier and you have to be listening to this podcast, just know there's an account out there for you who's looking for you. Why did you get earphones small enough? <laughs> it's really impressive. I think they just got over-ear headphones and they just live inside the over-ear uh, headphones. You know I mean? borrow. Okay, it's it's cool. surround sound for toy soldiers. Lovely. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Thank you, Chinook. Thank you, Grant. Join us next week to hear Chinook run the one shot we just planned for a group of new and experienced players, and we'll see just how much fun this game is. And we're going to answer the question, did Chinook have fun? <laughs> and remember, if you're having fun, you're already doing it right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. This is Abby. If you enjoyed this episode of My First Dungeon, you might want to check out some of our other shows in the Fractured Realms. For instance, our D&D actual play anthology show, The 20-Sided Podcast. This season is called Prisoners of the Static, and I play Natasha Borshekot, captain of the Gilded Ghost. Interested? Check out the trailer and tune in every Monday for brand new episodes. Bye-bye! The Static. A mysterious, mist-covered scar left behind by the Titans. Nothing that has entered that expanse of fog has ever been seen again. Until now, that is. A message in a bottle containing two things. The first, a plea for help from the legendary weaponsmith to the gods. The second, a warning. Here, there be monsters. In Season 2 of the 20-Sided Podcast, three brand new players will descend into the unknown, shackled by their secrets and fears, and venture past the ominous white expanse to learn, only too late, that they are about to become Prisoners of the Static. Be seeing you. You like us. You really like us. At least, I assume that you do, as you've listened to every minute of this episode. And yet you haven't already left us a five-star review? Ugh. Well, what are you waiting for? Get over to Spotify or Apple Podcasts and leave that review now. It's always wonderful to hear words from our adoring fans. Getting more ratings helps people find the show and love it as well. And we love to hear your nice words. So head over to Spotify and Apple Podcasts and leave us that five-star review. Ta-ta!